Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. TC, can we give it up for all those that are new one more time, guys? Come on. We're jumping into our Sushi, Sex, and Subtitle Series Round 3. If you're new, you're like, what did I just get into? It's a series about relationships. We're so excited. This is our third year doing it, uh, and, man, we couldn't be more excited. I love control. Anybody? Can anybody relate? I love control. I feel like I need it. But more importantly, I'll tell you what I don't like is incompetent people having control. Anybody relate? I also love efficiency. So inefficient things drive me crazy. As you can imagine, one of, the, one of my nightmares is to get stuck in a theme park. Because how many of you guys know it feels like all people lose common sense in theme parks, right? And so I don't particularly care for theme parks. I love control. I love efficiency. But what I love more than anything is my wife, all right? And so she's a special woman. She puts up with me. So automatically, she just is amazing. Okay, so, uh, but man, I love my wife. And so we were getting ready to get married. And she goes, you know where I would love to go on our honeymoon? And in my mind, I was like, man, we're going to end up in like Colorado for the Rockies. Or like New York, go to Times Square. She said, Disney World. That was not my response. Uh <clears throat> But this is Sushi Sex and Subtitles, so we can just be a little uh, real in this room. Um, It was our honeymoon. I didn't particularly care where we were going. (laughs) All right. So uh, we go to Disneyland, or Disney World, or I forget how it all works, the California Florida thing, whatever. Just pick the same name because it really is the same thing. All right, efficiency. So <clears throat> we go, we're on the honeymoon, we rode all the rides. We were in this particular day, we were going shopping. And so we're going shopping. And so there's this thing where you park your car in this huge parking lot. You go over a bridge, over another bridge, through these giant doors for no reason whatsoever. And you go through them, and then you're in this shopping center. And, and the shopping center is like a, a giant storefront with all these little shops in it. Okay, we've all seen something like that before, right? And so it's an outdoor deal, and so we're shopping. And it was so big, I thought that they were just flat in a row. But come to find out, that was not the case. They were kind of curved a little bit. But it was, they were just so big, you didn't realize it was curved. So finally, we start on one end, and we're, we're going to shop and eat our way to the other end, okay? So uh, you know which part I was more interested in. So, so we're going, and we get to the other end. And my thought is, if you can imagine this diagram that I'm doing with my hands with nothing. Okay, so our car is here. We walked over the bridge, blah, 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 and, then, and so then we came in the gates. We start on this end, and we finish on this end. My thought was, we finished here. Let's hop this fence that says employees only. And then if we hop the fence, we're right here. We don't have to come all the way back and go all the way up, right? We'll save ourselves a good mile of walking. That was my thoughts. What I didn't realize was that it wasn't flat. It was curved. We hopped this fence down here. But it wasn't until we got over the fence that I realized we were three miles from our car, right? And here's the thing about the employee only fence is there's nothing to climb on the other side of it. 
So it was like a 10-foot tall fence or so, climbed up on one side, jumped over. The other side was flat. There was no climbing back over, all right? So guess what we get to do? Walk three miles all the way to the car. Oh, and it gets better. So we're walking three miles to the car. About halfway through, the sky opens up. And I'm talking Noah's Ark flood falls on us with a mile and a half of walking left in front of us. And my default emotion, can you imagine what it was? Anger. Like I'm ready to just burn everything to the ground at this point, right? But the only thing I could drum up was laughter. Have you ever been so angry you had to laugh? Because otherwise, like, you might go pinky in the brain on this situation. <laughs> so, never mind. So, I'm going to take over the world. So, I, I was, I, I, we started walking through the rain, and to this day, we still talk about that trip. I don't remember what ride we were on. I don't remember what hotel we stayed in, but I remember walking in the rain for a mile. All right? Let me tell you who else remembers it. My wife. Because every time I make a decision now, and I'm because I remember telling, I was like, follow me, babe. I got this. Sense of directions, baby. Hop the fence. Ooh. Right? So I was like, follow me. I got this. Now, every time in our marriage, I'm like, follow me. I got this. She's like, but remember 12 years ago? <laughs> How many guys know <laughs> following the way you think is right doesn't always get you where you want to be? Following the way you think is right doesn't always get you where you want to be. And when we take people on the journey with us, it doesn't get them where they want to be either. Now, sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't, right? I want to talk to you about this story of Jesus and his disciples. We're going to go to Mark chapter 4, and then we're going to move to Matthew and John some. But in Mark chapter 4... Jesus is, is he's coming to his disciples. Or they're not his disciples yet. He's, he's walking. He's getting ready to start his ministry. And that's where we pick up in verse 18. As Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee, right? He says he saw two brothers, so Simon, Peter, and Andrew, right? And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Say fishermen. This matters, all right? So they were fishermen. Now, I want you to understand something. The Bible went out of their way to say they were fishermen because they were professional fishermen. This is what they did. They had their boats. They had their nets. They had their lines. They knew what they were doing. They knew how to fish. Not like your cousin or friend that thinks he knows how to fish, but gets you out on the water for six hours and you're being tortured because you catch nothing. Sorry. I feel like I needed to get that off of my chest. That's really just my family. So... They go out on the water, or he goes out to them, and he says, follow me. And so picking up the rest, he says, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now, I want you to understand what Jesus is asking here, because he's asking something very specific. He's saying, I know you've lived your life this way, but I'm inviting you to say yes to following me this way. See, sometimes we think like, oh, yeah, they just followed him. No, no, no. They left everything they had, and they followed him this way. Now, I am in the mood to preach a little bit this morning. Can I do that? So here's what I need from you. Can you say, yeah? yeah. Say, come on. come on. Say, preach that. Preach that. Say, ooh, that's good. Okay, we, so feel free to use any of those throughout this whole process, okay? He says, 
follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow. I know you've been going this direction, but now I want to take you this direction. I know you've invested your life this way. I know that you've built your identity and your profession and everything around this, but I, I actually, I'm, I'm inviting you to go with me this way. And at once they put it all down and they said yes. And I believe the question that Jesus has been asking since he asked that question is this question. Jesus is asking, will you put it all down and follow me? Will you put it all down and follow me? And the initial answer for most of us is, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. The question isn't whether we want to follow. The question is, are we willing to put it all down to follow? The following isn't the hard part. The letting go of the life we've built is the hard part. Because the life we've built is what I worked for. Oh, come on. The life I built is, man, that's what I did. Never mind, Jesus gave you strength, woke you up, breath in your lungs, energy, what, you know, like skills, talent, whatever. That's what I did. And he says, I want you to put that down and follow me. Now, here's the beauty behind all of this. Is Jesus never asked us to put anything down when he's not willing to give us something better to pick back up. So we can have confidence in that. But he says, I want you to follow me. Now, what does this have to do with relationships? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me help you. For many of us, we're looking to either, for, for, for men in this room, we're, we're looking to uh, lead a wife well, but you can't lead a wife if you can't follow Christ. Okay, so if we can't learn to follow, there's no way we can lead. And, and for women in the house, if you'll help me for a second, if you can't follow the Savior, what makes you think you can follow a spouse? And so we have to understand that the call to follow isn't just a, a spiritual thing. It affects everything else in our life. And so, and so we'll get into specific roles in marriage and all that stuff in the weeks to come. But out of the gate, one thing we have to do in a relationship series is understand if you aren't good being you, you'll never be good for someone someone else. So Jesus says, follow me. And on the surface, that looks easy. And we can even look in the Bible at people that, that knew Jesus, saw the miracles, saw him do the thing, saw him provide, saw him heal, saw him do everything that Jesus did. And when it came time to follow, they said, no, go to Matthew 19, 16 and 21, right? We see the story of the rich young ruler, okay? And so the rich young ruler comes to Jesus. He says, behold, a man came to him saying, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What I got to have to have eternal life? And so Jesus looks at him and he's like, all right, brother, you asked the question, you're going to get the answer. He says, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, in other words, if you want to belong, if you want to go to heaven, if you want to, if you want this, go sell all your possessions and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, say these two words with me, follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad for he had great possessions. Now the point of the story isn't about rich people. The point of the story is whatever it is you love in your life is what God's going to ask you to be willing to lay down to follow him. Now for him, it was his possessions, but for you, it might be your career. For you, it might be your degrees. For you, it might be that relationship. For you, it may be money. For you, it, what is it you're willing to lay down? Now, hear me, and I want you to grab a hold of this. It doesn't mean you don't get to pick it back up, but it does mean you need to start with laying it down. God, I'm following you, and I'm giving you my life. And God says, perfect, I want you to keep that, 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 that. And yet you're going, oh, thank God. I was really not banking on letting that go. 
Sometimes he lets you keep it. I'm not telling you that you lose everything. I'm saying you've got to be willing to give it all up to say yes to him. You see, Jesus says, can you follow me? And he says, yes. And here's the deal. We have people in general who bought into the idea that we can keep it all and still follow Christ. And you don't get to keep everything in this life and still follow him. Christianity, following Jesus, will cost you something. It has to. Because if something doesn't cost anything, it's not worth anything. We live in a selfish society today, though, that says do what you want, with who you want, where you want, however you want, and you can still have joy and peace and whatever. But the reality is, how many guys know, how many that have tried that have found out that you don't get any of what you're looking for when you do what you want, when you want, with who you want? Right? So we have young people, we have a young generation who's getting ready to get married that's bought into a societal norm that you can do what you want, when you want, with whoever you want, however you want. And then they want to get married and want that person to join in a partnership with them while they continue doing what they want, where they want, with whoever they want. And they want to know why it's not working. And then we've got a group of people that are already married and they've, already, they, they've transitioned into the societal norm just to do what you want, when you want, with whoever you want. And their marriage is falling apart because they're going after all the things that they want, not realizing that marriage is a partnership, relationships is a partnership. It's saying yes to that person while they say yes to you. And it's a lot less about saying yes to your thing. It's about saying yes to our thing. And that's what Jesus is inviting us to. And if we can't do it for Jesus, what makes us think we can do it for someone else? That's why follow me. It's such an important aspect of our life because if we can't do it for the Savior, what makes us think we can do it for the spouse? And so I want you to understand a few things about following him. The first thing you need to understand is the invitation to follow doesn't include any fine print where you choose when you follow. The invitation to follow doesn't include any fine print where you get to pick when you follow. He says, follow me. And you're like, yes. As long as we get about a four to six week transition period, I want to make sure that the probationary time frame works out for the both of us. Right? No, no, no. The invitation to follow doesn't mean you get to pick when. It's an all or nothing situation here. It's all for Jesus or it's not for Jesus at all. Now let's take you to John chapter 21. And there's a story because we've acknowledged that Jesus says, follow me. And so the disciples start following him. And as they're they're following him, uh, they they put it all down. They come after him. We see that God, that Jesus gives invitations to others to follow him, but they don't because it's too costly. So we see that some people say yes and some people say no, right? And so we, we have an understanding of that. And so I want to take you to John 21. And this is the part of the Bible where Jesus has already died on the cross, resurrected, and the disciples are going through a mourning process. Now, let me help you understand why for a second in case you don't know this. The disciples had bought into who Jesus was, not the fact that he could do cool things, but that he was, in fact, here to save the world and establish a kingdom. All right? So they're like, ayo, king is here. We're going to rule next to him. This is going to be great. And then he goes, I'm going to die. I'm going to resurrect for three days, three days later, and I'm going away. And they're like, uh, I have questions. I was really invested in the reigning ruling part of this with you. And he goes, yeah, that's in a time to come. And they go, well, I don't know what to do. And, and so Jesus dies. Three days later, he's resurrected. And this is that time period where they're just filled with confusion. 
And have you ever said yes to Jesus only to find yourself in a moment where confusion was gripping your heart more than help was? Like, have you ever found yourself in that moment where you're like, yes, Jesus, I'm ready. You come out of a worship service, firm foundation, right? The rock on which I... You go home and everything's going buck wild. Everyone's lost their mind and you're like, man, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know. I just don't know. Anybody relate? This is where Peter's at right now. Because in case you forgot, Peter has gone through his time where he was the knucklehead. Because here's the reality. We all love to read characters in the Bible and we're like, yo, that's so me. Don't we? You read David and Goliath and you're like, I'm about to get some stones, a slingshot, and I'm slaying giants out here, y'all. And you're looking at everyone else at your work like they're just incompetent, non-believing people. Y'all don't understand me. Y'all don't understand me. I'm so spiritual. <laughs> Act like that if y'all want to. Okay, so, so he, but aren't we a lot more like Peter than we are David? Kind of an attitude problem, denies Jesus, cuts people's ears off, and kind of runs off at the mouth every chance he gets. And then tells Jesus, like, no, I would never do that. So Peter's in this season where I think we can all resonate because we've all said yes to following him or, or, or at least felt the, the call to follow him only to find ourselves very confused between what Jesus asked of us and where we currently are. And so Peter is sitting at his house and he's confused and that's where we pick up in verse 3. And Peter looks at the other disciples. He says, I'm going fishing. Now, I found this interesting. Well, let's keep going. I'm going fishing. I'm going to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, well, we'll go with you. Because how many guys know when someone wants to make a bad decision because they feel like God has left them, it's not hard to find good company. We'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but all night they caught nothing. Now, I find it interesting that they caught nothing. Say caught nothing. These are professional fishermen in their boats, in waters they know, with nets they understand. You would have thought they knew how to catch fish. You know what the difference between a professional fisherman and an amateur fisherman is? Professional fishermen catch fish when the fish aren't biting. They caught nothing. You see, the, the reality is, it's when we can't see Jesus doing the things we think he should be doing that we go back to the life that we used to have because we're not settled in on the life we currently have. I put in your notes like this. We're always tempted to go fishing when we stop following. Like, Jesus, you're going this way, and you're leading me this way, and you're leading me this way. And it's like, and then Jesus goes, all right, I got to go to this spot right here. And you're like, oh, I don't like that one. And our temptation is, you know what, that life that I built back there, it really wasn't as bad as I think it is. And following Jesus is going to lead me into some uncertainty. It's going to lead me into some chaos. It's going to lead me to some places I don't understand. Let me go back to what I built rather than following Jesus into what he's building. And the temptation for all of us when we're looking to Jesus and we're in a season of confusion is to go back to what we came from rather than charging into the uncertainty where Christ is. So Peter goes fishing. We're always tempted to go our way. We're always tempted to buy into the idea that God's not going to finish what he started. My marriage, it's just over. 
I'll never find love. I'm not enough of this, or I'm too much of that, or, or my, my sexual preferences are, are even skewed, and I'm not even sure what I think or feel anymore. And, and the reality is all of those things might be attributes that are surrounding you, and your temptation will be to go back to what makes you comfortable when what is in front of you seems uncertain. And Peter goes fishing. I just don't know where he's leading me. And since I don't know where he's leading, I'm just going to start living is our temptation. But hear me. The temptation to start living your way when you're not going God's way always leads you with an empty boat. Because you never quite catch what you're looking for, do you? You might find something in the moment. You might even strike gold. Maybe you find someone that treats you well relationally for a little while, but they lose their mind too. We're not going to talk about what the common denominator is in all of this. And so they caught nothing. Oh, beautiful. There's no way this is ending on time. Okay. John 21, 4 through 5. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? I love how petty Jesus is right here. Like he knows, he could have been like, hey, I see y'all don't have any fish out there. But he put it in a way they had to answer. Haven't you any fish? No. Ah. Come on, y'all got to read the Bible this way. It's way more fun. Y'all, make it personal for you. Hey, did that relationship work out? No. Ah. Oh. Hey, I know that instead of coming after me, you just keep going after what you want. Has that worked out? No. Hey, I... I know you've been avoiding doing the things that I've asked you to do, but then you want me to show up in the ways that you're asking me to show up. Has that worked out? No. Ah. Because if we're all honest, that's where we find ourselves. When we don't understand God, we go after what we want, and we get shocked when what we want doesn't fill the boat. But it's the grace of God that you didn't fill your boat. Because if you had, you'd still be fishing. It's the grace of God that relationship didn't work out. Because God's got something better for you anyways. I know it was tragic and I know it hurt. But sometimes cutting something out of your life hurts. But sometimes you got to get out something bad before an infection sets in. Have you caught any fish? No. They answered. Now keep in mind, they don't even know this is Jesus yet. This is just some annoying guy on the beach. Got any fish? Shut up, man. That's how, anyways, okay. But hear me, thank God he shows up in the places that we go to get away from him. Thank God he shows up in the decisions that we make to be for ourselves, what we refuse to let him be for us. And so he, 
He says, God says, hey, listen, you're not going to find what you're looking for there. Because the fish aren't the problem. You are. Oh, you think another relationship is going to be better than the last one, but the relationship isn't the problem. You are. You think that if you get a divorce, you can marry somebody else, and it's going to be better because you just need someone different. Maybe it's not that you need someone different. Maybe you need to be someone different. I'm not saying they don't have problems. I got 99 problems. Okay. But never mind. So, (laughs) So maybe there is a problem there, but hear me. We are part of it. And the fact that we've chosen not to follow Jesus the way he's asked us to is part of the reason why we are where we are. So maybe God won't let you have what you keep fishing for because if you get it, you'll think that's what you need instead of him. And I put it, it'll show up on the screen this way, but when you're casting and not catching, maybe it's because you aren't supposed to be fishing, you're supposed to be following. When you're casting and you're not catching, maybe it's because you're not supposed to be fishing, you're supposed to be following. And, and, and so... He goes to them in, in John 21, verse 6. He, said, he says to them, throw your nets on the right side of the boat. Now, let me help you out for a second. If you go, you don't have to, you don't have to go back in the notes, but if you look, it says they fished all night and caught nothing. We're talking seven to nine hours of fishing. First of all, does cruel and unusual punishment mean anything to some of these people? Secondly, that's a lot of fishing, and they caught nothing. And so this guy is on the beach and he says, throw your nets on the right side of the boat. Surely at some moment they went from the left side to the right side. Surely they weren't like, Andrew, let's go left again. Andrew's like, hey, maybe we should, nah, just go left. Right? You would think that they've thrown the nets on that side of the boat. The guy says, throw the fish, throw the nets on on that side of the boat and you will find some. And so they did. I'm sure they did it sarcastically, though. Anybody relate? Hey, try this. Okay, try this. (laughs) Anybody been so desperate, though, you'll you'll do something stupid just to see if it works? Cool. Not me. Not me. Just, all right. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of how many fish were in it. They were unable. Listen to me. There's something special about God showing up in the things of our life that we know we didn't do right. There's something special about God showing up in our life, even when we're fishing and when we're searching, we aren't finding what we're looking for, and we're not even being who God has called us to be. God still shows up for us. And we got a story of an amazing couple in our church where God showed up for them in a special moment. We want to show it to you. Go ahead and roll it, guys. When we got married, I think there was this, this understanding that 
her husband would be uh, like a spiritual leader in her household. And um, I wasn't. I, I think that unknowingly, I had um, these expectations and I didn't realize it at first. And I was very disappointed that he did not turn out to be this person that I had imagined in my head. And also me thinking that I knew God just because I had been grown up in church and I really didn't. I, I had no clue who he was and I was looking at him to be the stable one to lead us, but I, I, I was not stable. So I wanted him to be the one so that I could become stable. It initially began when I joined the Men's Freedom Group. I was understanding different principles about the Bible. Uh, things that were kind of, I'm more of a practical thinker, so things that were more practical and I could kind of like use it in a practical sense. Uh, as we were talking more and more, I, I thought, you know what, I'd like a sign uh, from God and um, like a firm sign, not just like a twinkle or like, oh, that flower looks pretty. That must be God. So um, uh, the following week, me and Pedro took a trip uh, to Miami. We go to Miami. We weren't supposed to go to Miami. We had told my friend, no, we weren't gonna go to the wedding. She pretty much begged me. And so I was like, we have to go. We <laughs> haven't seen them in 10 years. We go, um, we get there. We had a great time at the wedding. <laughs> we get back to my friend's parents' house. We go to bed. I know for me, there was a point in time where I felt like something was happening to me. I thought I was having a panic attack because I'm a therapist, so that's where my mind goes. It's like, okay, obviously I'm having a panic attack. Just get up and go get some water, deep breathe. I'm going through all the steps that I would take a client through. I'm either dying or I'm about to be clinically insane. This is what I tell him. And um, I tell him, I don't know where this is from. I feel like God is telling me to tell you this is for you. Had no idea about this whole sign thing at all, by the way. <laughs> right after I told him this is for you, I think I passed out. Uh, yeah, you, you passed out. And then I like reached out and I kind of like braced her fall a little bit. So things were happening to me that I'm unaware of. Um, and it was 100% a, a demonic attack. Um, I now know that like you cannot be possessed if you um, have the Holy Spirit because I am he lived it he lives in me and so there but there was a spiritual warfare like sort of battle going on we like go through prayer and um, at one point we call the paramedics and uh, that was after two hours I think yeah and then they're just like you think she's having a psychotic breakdown and I'm like yeah no Phaedra's pretty strong she's not one to have a psychotic breakdown. They're like, yeah, we can take her to, and then they said something. It was, I guess, the Miami equivalent of like Lakeview. And they're like, yeah, you just have to sign off. And I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. And then I was like, well, we're gonna let her lay down and see what happens. And um, she laid down for about two hours. While she's laying down, I had called her mom. And I had also also called Pastor Brad. He called me back, and uh, while Phaedra was laying down, he told me to do all this, all this stuff like opening the window, reading some scriptures, specific scriptures, and then like calling some of the men from the Freedom Group. When Phaedra woke up, she opened her eyes, and I was like, "Say Jesus," and she's like, "Jesus." Why? No, I said, "Why?" Yeah, I was like, she did why? say, "Why?" <laughs> And he was like, just, just say, say it. it. <laughs> and I was like, what? she's like, just say Jesus. And I said, Jesus. And he was like, oh, okay, we'll be fine. After Miami, 
like after that whole thing happened, I was like, okay, well, um, I've been shown. So uh, I think uh, it kind of accelerated my walk with God. Man, everything changed. Like we, it shifted the, you know, the way we parent, the way we are with, with one another. A lot of this has just been this intrinsic, like Holy Spirit change. The things that maybe you prayed for but had given up on, and that's a really cool thing to be able to see God at work. It was like God was telling me to let go of Patrick <laughs> so he could get a hold of him. And it's like, oh, okay, when I actually let God be God, things happen. How you know better? <laughs> and we're back. Beautiful story by Phaedrin. Yeah, you feel free to give it up for him. And so, <clears throat> I love her last phrase, when I let God be God, things happen. <laughs> Isn't that where we all end up, though? We just mess things up when we're God, or when we try to be. Here's what I've realized. Follow me is an invitation to concede, not co-pilot. I'm going to say it again. Follow me is an invitation to concede, not to co-pilot. It's a surrender. It's, all right, God, your way, not mine. All right, Jesus, what you have, not what I want for me. And I want to take you back to John 21, verse 7, the story of Jesus. He's, or, or Peter, and he's, he's out fishing, and so he's out fishing, and while he's out fishing, he's caught nothing. Some guy on the beach is like, hey, bro, try the right side. Try the right side. He throws the nets in, brings in the fish. And that's where we pick up in verse 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which I love that that is John that the writer is talking about, and the writer is John, which that's the only place in the Bible, or the only person in the Bible that references himself as the one Jesus loved. None of the other disciples did that. Relationship series, some people are problems. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. So, then the disciple who Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped himself in his garment. He put, put his clothes back on, essentially. And he jumped into the water. Now, I want you to just go to this place with me for a second. Like, so Peter's, he's fishing all night. He's, he's trying to catch these fish, and he's looking, and he's catching nothing. You can imagine how frustrated he is because not only is that not working out, this isn't working out either. And I thought that was it. I thought that was the move, and it all fell apart. And then I go back to the very thing that I was really, really good at. And when I get here, this isn't working either. And then some idiot on the shore tells me to put my net on the other side of the water. Like, I don't know how to fish in these waters. All right? He puts it in the water. He brings the fish back in. And then he realizes, this is Jesus. John says, bro, that's Jesus. And Peter's like, oh, my gosh, it's Jesus. And he's like, it's him. It's him. And he puts on his clothes and he jumps in the water and I can see John like, hey dog, we just caught the fish for like nine hours, we caught fish. And Peter's like, are you kidding me? I don't care about the fish because it was never about the fish. I went fishing because I didn't have what I really wanted. And what I really wanted was Jesus, but he went away and I couldn't find him. 
And so instead of sticking with him, instead of trusting him through this journey, I just went fishing. But I didn't go fishing because I cared about fish. I went fishing because I was looking for the one thing in my life that would make me feel better about being me. But I'm here to tell you, there's nothing in this world that'll make you feel better about being you. The only thing that matters is the fact that Jesus is standing on the banks of your life telling you, if you'll do it my way, you'll be better than doing it your way. And so Peter jumps in the water and he just starts swimming. He's in a boat they could have rowed, but whatever. He just starts swimming and he's, he's going after Jesus. And I can see now the disciples are so confused and he goes, I don't, I don't care about the fish. It was the fish because it wasn't something else. And if it wasn't that, it would have been that. And if it wasn't that, it would have been that. If it wasn't that, it would have been that. At the end of the day, what you're chasing will never fulfill you because Jesus is the only thing that when he says, follow me, can fill you too. So, so he jumps in the water and he goes after him. And some of us have been jumping from person to person from relationship to relationship, from job to job, from career to career, from degree to degree, trying to fish for something that will give you what you haven't let Jesus give you. But following him gives you everything that you need. We've all been looking for something in this world to bring us a wholeness that can only be found in one person that isn't from this world. And that's Jesus. Today, I invite you to follow him. Not just with your words, but with everything that you have to follow him. I invite you to put your nets down. Stop fishing for the thing you're trying to replace him with and let him become everything to you. Because following him is where you find everything that you need. Let's pray this morning. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have not left us by ourselves, even though we find ourselves in seasons where we feel like we're fishing in empty waters with empty boats. And so God, for every person that's here right now who's said yes to following, but keeps finding themselves fishing, God, I pray right now that you help them understand there's nothing they can put in their boat that's better than what's outside their boat. It is you, Jesus, who's on the shore of our life saying, follow me, because I'll do something with your life that's better than what you can do with your life. Help us say yes. Help us give more to you of our lives so that we can be all that you've called us to be. Not that you would love us more, but that we could just give more to you. We thank you today and we love you. If you're here in this room and you need Jesus in your life, you know that sin has separated you from God just like it did all of us. 
and you're ready to come to him and say, Jesus, I need to follow you, but I need to be forgiven and I need to give you my life. And if that's you, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And this prayer doesn't make you saved. This prayer just puts words to the actions of your heart that you're putting your faith in him, that when he died for you, he's giving you forgiveness. So say this prayer with me and the church will pray with you. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. I believe you died for me. So I give you my life. I believe you rose again. And so I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. TC, can we give it up for all those that prayed that today? Awesome.